Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlocked big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book, How to Think Straight About Psychology. Many people are familiar with the topic of psychology. It is often in the spotlight nowadays. Psychology-related content is everywhere on the internet, including courses, videos, books, and articles. All of them discuss one public concern after another, and we all turn to psychology to find answers in our seemingly meaningless lives. But, are we dealing with real psychology or pseudoscience under the guise of psychology? What kind of research does it take to come to a credible conclusion? If the results of psychological research don't sound reliable, or are even at odds with our own intuition, experience, and the traditional wisdom we've gained in our everyday lives, should we trust them? How to think straight about psychology can help you answer these questions. Author Keith Eastinovich is a former Canada Research Chair in Applied Cognitive Science and recipient of the Thorndike Career Achievement Award from the American Psychological Association. His book, How to Think Straight About Psychology, has been regarded as a classic introduction to psychology for more than 30 years, and it is used by more than 300 educational institutions around the world. In the book, he mixes fairly esoteric professional terms such as falsifiability, empiricism, and operationalism with a variety of vivid metaphors and case studies, so that we can gradually build up our understanding of psychology and clear up much of our misconceived notions about the field. After reading this book, you will be able to identify the tricks of pseudopsychology, assess the credibility of psychology-related content on the internet, and use scientific methods to find out how psychology can really help us. Next, we will discuss the book in three parts. Part 1. How to think straight about psychology. Part 2. Rigorous research methods of psychology. Part 3. Why people have a hard time accepting real psychology. Part 1. How to think straight about psychology. First, let's look at some popular misconceptions about psychology. Psychology is a science that studies human mental phenomena and behavior. But people tend to generalize psychology, and it is easy for them to inaccurately expand the scope of psychological research, putting anything related to psychology under that umbrella. This field has also been mythologized. People believe that psychologists, like fortune tellers, can figure out what's going on in another person's mind in an instant and, through a variety of mysterious methods can even manipulate another's thoughts and behavior. Things in popular culture like horoscopes, hypnotic mind-reading techniques, and the seemingly positive motivational texts are all products of this idea that psychology is omnipotent. But in reality, although explaining psychological phenomena, predicting, and even mitigating human behavior in some ways all fall within the realm of psychology, it is far less magical than what popular speculation suggests. On the other hand, things like astrology, which seems to elaborate on how one's birth date determines their personality, enjoy great popularity. However, they have long been rejected by scientists as pseudoscience and have nothing to do with orthodox psychology. Some people may say, I know psychology is science. I know about Sigmund Freud and his psychoanalytic theory. So, psychology is psychoanalytical counseling, tapping into a patient's subconscious, right? Stanovich points out that counseling and psychoanalysis are only small parts of psychology and cannot represent the field as a whole. 
Freud did make great contributions to psychology, but the scope of psychological practice is much broader than his narrow field of research. For example, Stanovich notes that, in one popular, 700-plus page introductory psychology textbook, only 15 of those pages mention Freud or psychoanalysis. It is obvious that Freud's psychoanalysis is only a small branch of psychology. Additionally, some of Freud's theories are difficult to test in a systematic, scientific way. His arguments are not supported by enough experimental data and are based heavily on his personal assumptions. Ironically, this means his theories are frequently used as a shield by pseudopsychologists who make claims that sound plausible when based on Freud's ideas, and they claim said theory is the result of scientific research. So, what does real psychology look like? Some people may imagine a bunch of emotionally intelligent guys sitting in an office studying other people's minds, but psychological research is actually much closer to the popular image we have of science and engineering that involves conducting experiments, collecting data, and interpreting lab results. Psychology is a science based on three characteristics, the use of systematic empiricism, the production of public knowledge, and the examination of solvable problems. We can understand empiricism as the act of knowing the world through observation and testing our assumptions about the world through those observations. For example, the scientist Galileo Galilei looked at the world through a telescope. His methods were in line with empiricism. On the other hand, his detractors said that the ancient people named the seven days of the week after the seven planets, and that if we increased the number of planets, the whole world would collapse, which was pure fantasy, not empiricism. But throughout history, many people have put forth ridiculous theories without any empirical evidence and held them up as absolute truth in their time. The rise of empiricism in the scientific community has only occurred in the last 300 years. Today, science has higher demands with the application of empiricism than in the time of Galileo. Simple, unstructured observations of the world do not produce reputable scientific knowledge. Simply recording what you do during the day, from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, gives you a bunch of data points, but no insight into the world at large. Science requires systematic empirical studies that link observations together to form theories. This high standard has become one of the characteristics of science, the use of systematic empirical methods. The second characteristic of science is the production of publicly verifiable knowledge. Publicly verifiable here means that other scientists can repeat the same experiment and come up with the same result. A new discovery can only be considered scientific and become public knowledge if it can be publicly verified. So there is a peer review rule. After scientists write a paper about their theory and submit it to a scientific journal, the journal will invite several other scientists to comment on the paper, on the theory, and on whether the theory and experimental process described in the paper are credible enough. The third characteristic of science is that it examines solvable problems. If a problem cannot be solved by existing empirical methods, or a hypothesis cannot be tested experimentally, then it is not a question for science to answer. For example, does sending children to kindergarten help their reading ability, is a question that can be answered through experiments and belongs to science. Questions such as, what is good and what is evil, and what is the meaning of life, are not scientific questions because the answers are entirely subjective, and there is no way to verify who is right and who is wrong. But whether or not some research topics are considered scientific can change over time.
Evidence for the biography of historical figures, such as whether they had children in their lives and where they were from, used to only be found in historical documents. People argued endlessly, but while the evidence was based on witness testimony and anecdotes such things could not be verified with scientific certainty. However, with advancements in genetic technology, researchers can extract DNA from human remains for analysis, compare big data with historical data, and verify information about the deceased's life and background. This shift has transformed previously non-scientific questions into solvable, scientific ones. Now that we know the three features of science, it is easy to distinguish psychology from pseudo-psychology. A theory must conform to these three characteristics to be scientific. Otherwise, it is pseudoscience, no matter how elaborate the theory or how dazzling the research process is. Knowing these three features, we can easily use logic to tell psychology apart from pseudo-psychology. However, sometimes we still find it difficult to distinguish the two in real life. Why is it that some unsupported theories feel so compelling? Pseudo-psychology is deliberately tailored to appeal to the public expectation, and people tend to believe in what they hope is real. For example, the phrase, each of us has a unique talent sounds inspiring, and it has always been a popular truism. Unfortunately, there is no actual research to support this claim. But that doesn't stop these encouraging catchphrases from spreading. Another reason pseudo-psychology seems so plausible is that it often uses individual cases to confirm a hypothesis. We must understand that a few case studies do not represent the whole picture. However, individual cases have so much influence on us that we tend to take their conclusions as truth due to the vividness effect that impacts our memories and decision-making abilities. The vividness effect occurs when the brain pulls relevant information from our memories to help us make a decision. The vivid information, that is, information related to personal testimony, pops up first. For example, when it comes to making an expensive family decision like buying a car, we often do a lot of research, test drive plenty of cars, read tons of consumer reviews, and seek out expert advice before we decide to buy a particular brand. However, if a friend tells you that they have bought a car from that brand before, and that how terrible the quality is, and how the number of repairs makes the brand a ripoff, you may immediately reverse your decision. From a decision-making perspective, what your friend said is just their personal experience and cannot represent the brand as a whole. It may not be a good decision to listen to their advice, as your previous decision was much more rational. But, your behavior follows the irrational information. You are more likely to believe what your friend says. This is the vividness effect. There is no more vivid and memorable message than personal testimony. Pseudo-psychology takes advantage of the brain's tendency to be influenced by vivid information, using a few detailed cases to cram bizarre conclusions into the minds of the general public. That concludes Part 1. We've listed several common misconceptions about psychology, affirming that psychology is a science and conforms to the three scientific characteristics of systematic empiricism, producing publicly verifiable knowledge, and examining solvable problems. We also explained that being influenced by the world around us in regards to mental inertia, matching our hopes to reality, and vivid individual cases can make pseudoscience seem plausible. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play, get your free mind snack now.